everybody. Hi. Hello. We're back. Happy February. It's the second month of the year. How crazy is that? It's almost been a full year of, of pandemic quarantining. I know. We're getting really close to a full year and a lot has happened in just this little month we've had. Wow. Pretty wild. But we're pushing through and we're here to tell you more ghost stories. We're here to tell you ghost stories. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. I almost introduced myself as Sad Little Bitch. <laughs> sad Little Bitch. You the know, new podcast sometimes. we're going to start. Sometimes it's uh, you need <laughs> mental health days and to take care of yourself, and it's okay to feel down. It is. It is. You can't always be on a high because no. do you? How would you know that you're on a high unless you felt the lows? That is really beautiful. <laughs> okay, you. I know that we normally talk about. Well, normally we just move straight into ghost stories. But did mm-hmm. you see the update on a story that I believe you had covered, Davlov Pass? Did you see? Wait, no. What happened? That researchers are thinking that they solved the mystery. <gasps> How? And work. Okay. What? How? So there was this group of researchers that were looking into the Davlov Pass incident. And, you know, back in like the 50s or whatever, they had said, oh, it was an avalanche. And everyone was like, How the f- F would it be an avalanche? They had like radioactive whatever around them. People mm-hmm. were without clothes, like many, many yards from their site making it seem like they ran naked. One person had their tongue cut out. Another person had their eyes plucked out. Like there was a lot that just didn't yeah. seem, it was, it was like alien abduction, you know, crazy government theories, Yetis. all of these things. Yeah. Lots Yeti. Of things. Yes. Okay. So they had originally said avalanche. Everyone's like, no way. That makes absolutely no sense. But they're again saying an avalanche because there's a group of researchers who actually, this is so really, really fascinating. They took cadaver and like, I think car crash reports from General Motors. And then they also contacted the animators from Disney's Frozen movie because they were very impressed with their animation of snow. And so they asked them for access to that like animation code. So then they used the knowledge of what will happen with like immense amount of pressure on a human body from General Motors, then oh use this new like animation software to try to essentially mimic. It wasn't necessarily an avalanche, but like mimic uh, slates of compact snow, essentially like falling down onto the tent. So what happened in, in the Whoa. past Davlov Pass incident was that they had basically hooked their tent into the side of this snow embankment. And the belief is that by them kind of like hooking into it, they created this massive crack of this like huge pressured snow that then eventually just gave up and fell onto them. Like, you know, having like a cruise ship essentially like fall onto you. Oh my gosh. And so that's why they were like, yeah, that's why bodies were flung. There were crazy, like crushed, strange injuries that were not from animals, but like likely just crazy pressure and yeah, so the the theory still remains that it is an avalanche. And there's some things that people still have questions about, of course, but they used a bunch of modern technology and reports to try to figure out why some of the unexplained. Oh my gosh. Now I'm reading this article. Yeah. It's super, super fascinating. That they were hit and then people cut themselves out of the tent and that's why the tent was cut open. And then they tried to flee, but then they were all, a lot of them were severely injured. So they succumbed to their injuries or 
died from other like hypothermia Mm -hmm. yeah and so they were they were also speculating that those that weren't as seriously injured had gone back and tried to like drag the injured out of the Mm -hmm. tent Mm -hmm. and that's why there were some people that were way more injured and then others that were way less injured like far away from the tent as if they had run from the scene oh my gosh so perhaps not a paranormal just a one in a million wow love science 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 is amazing I know. Still, I'm still curious about the the radioactive yeah part of that story. I would right. like to know the explanation for that. Maybe that caused the avalanche. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Whoa. Maybe they were just in a region where the ground was. I, I don't know anything about radioactivity. <laughs> what am I even about to speculate? I don't know. What's I going don't know, on. but I was into it. I wanted to know. <laughs> the sentence wasn't going to finish because I had no idea. I was here for it. I think I think I just decided that I would join a cult if you let it because I, I just want to know what you have to say. <laughs> would you? I think so. Oh, my gosh. That reminds me. So I'm I'm switching jobs. So Sabrina and I are not yeah, full time podcasters. We wish we were, but we're not. <laughs> we each have full-time jobs and I have a new job. But for my last day at what will soon be my my old job, I created a most likely to like happy hour game to play. Mm-hmm. And I'm basically giving everybody superlatives, but I gave myself the superlative of most likely to want to join a cult. <laughs> <laughs> to want to join a cult. Yes, that is very accurate for you. Yeah. And yeah. apparently you too. Well, I wouldn't want to, aside from if you were leading it. Oh, okay. Well, and I would like to think I was smart enough to avoid it, but hey, I think a lot of people think they're smart enough to avoid it and then end up in a cult anyway. So sometimes you just get tricked into it. And this it's is too why late I'm by a, the time you realize. And this is why I'm a little, I'm a little depressed bitch because I think of this stuff all the time. LDB. LDB, LDB yeah you know me little LDB oh my gosh this is like my my corporation is LMA because I see all of my family leave me alone leave me alone like the LBD LMA. company yeah let's start a new <laughs> let's just start a new company just because oh <laughs> oh well maybe some ghost stories will yeah, they you up. will absolutely well, do you want to start? Do you want sure. to read one? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. This one is from Mariah, and it's called Honeymoonin' with Effie the Ghost. Hey, ladies. Congrats, Sabrina, on getting married. Hearing how you and your new hubby are spending your honeymoon, I just had to share my husband and I's honeymoon experience at the Haunted Skirvin Hotel in OKC. If you don't know the story of Skirvin, you need to read up on it because it has a lot of interesting history and NBA players refuse to stay there anymore due to some of their experiences. Ooh. So fun. Legend has it the original owner was having an affair with the midwife, Effie, and she got pregnant. He didn't want his wife to find out, so he locked Effie and her baby on the 11th floor in one of the towers to never be found out. But Effie became depressed and jumped from the 11th floor window with her baby to their deaths. Ever since then, people have reported all kinds of hauntings. So, my husband and I stayed there the night after our wedding. The hotel has gone through multiple renovations since opening in 1911, and two more stories have been added in that process. So we were up on the 12th floor, but we stayed in a honeymoon suite in one of the towers and had several odd experiences, and we have no clue if it was a haunted tower or not. I should add that before I get into this, my husband still refuses to believe in ghosts, even though he had the scariest experience of all. So here goes. We walked into our room, which is basically a small apartment. And as always, when you get to your hotel room, we put our bags by the bed 
and one of the bedside table drawers was open, which just so happened to be the drawer with the Bible in it shoved as far back in the drawer as possible. Seems minor, but makes me wonder if it was Effie. Next, we started exploring. I was standing by the office area when I heard scratching on the door behind me. You know how hotel rooms have the door that connects to the neighboring room? Well, yeah, that was the door the scratching was coming from. So, like an idiot that I am, I opened it and the scratching stopped. But the door to the other hotel room was closed. So maybe we just had a jokester neighbor that night? I don't know. We then went to run the hotel where we ventured into the 14th floor, which we all know is actually the 13th floor. And even though it isn't one of the original floors, we both had a very uneasy feeling about it. There were bars on the windows, the lights were dim, and there were no guest rooms, just conference rooms. Needless to say, we got out of there quick because the vibe we were getting was really bad. So we get back to our room and notice the bathroom light is off, which is odd because we purposely left it on, which we were both 100% sure of. But we thought maybe we just forgot to turn it on, so we turned it on and left to go to dinner. We came back about an hour later and lo and behold, the bathroom light was turned off. We blamed Effie. But before bed, we were watching TV and one of the drawers on the TV stand slowly opened as if someone was pulling it open. Then we went to bed and this is where the creepiness started. And this is my husband's experience as I was passed out. And need I remind you, he still doesn't believe in ghosts. So around 3 a.m., which is the witching hour, my husband says he felt his arm get ice cold. He tried to move it, but realized he was experiencing sleep paralysis so he could only open his eyes. He looked at the window and wondered what I was doing out of bed, just staring out of the window, until he realized I was still in bed next to him. It appeared to be a woman in a nightgown, just staring out the window. She turned around and looked at my husband and said, Are we lying now? And then the woman rushed towards him. He shut his eyes and felt a weight as if someone was sitting on his chest. He kept his eyes closed, trying to come out of the paralysis. And once the weight lifted, he opened his eyes and the woman was gone. He had to pee, but he decided to hold it in the rest of the night because he was scared. Maybe 30 minutes later, I was having a weird dream that someone was chasing me and started attempting a scream, waking myself up, all while my husband is laying there thinking, Oh no, they got her. Thanks for the help, babe. (laughs) Finally, morning came and the only other odd thing that happened at the hotel was that I was trying to download photos overnight, which required my phone to be unlocked and on Google Photos app. And my phone is set to never lock unless I press the lock button. So I remember opening the app and setting my phone face down so the light from the unlocked screen wouldn't bother us all night. But when we woke up, my phone was locked and the photos app was completely closed out. After that night, Effie showed her name at random times and places for my husband. Her name has shown up on a can of beans and one of those bricks in the ground made into a sidewalk. You know, where they have names of people on a stone and place it in the sidewalk. I don't know what you call it, but you get the gist. Anyway... I totally recommend the Skirvin if you're ever in OKC because it is a truly beautiful hotel with a pretty amazing history. Happy honeymoon and thank you for keeping me scared out of my pants, ladies. Mariah. Wow. I wonder what she meant by what are we lying now? Like lying as in telling a fib or lying as in do we lie together in bed in our honeymoon? Mm. What did this ghost mean? Yeah, I don't know. It could, I mean, based on the history of Effie, it could be, are you lying to everyone about my existence? You know, mm-hmm. or, I need to yeah. know what the NBA players experienced. I need to know what I these know. large and brave <laughs> men have experienced in this hotel to the point where they won't stay there anymore. Well, we should add it to a an upcoming episode. Absolutely. Let's log it. Let's log it right now. I'm going to put it right now. Perfect. Okay. Wow. 
So wild. It's one of those things too. I wonder if, if she floats on through freely to every single room, if it's just the general hotel that she haunts, or if there are specific rooms that you're essentially like guaranteed to either not see her, her or see her. Yeah. I don't know. Cause it sounds like they were on the 12th floor, which mm-hmm. is a new floor. So I, it sounds like she probably has free reign and haunts many places. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> that's what scares me. Like I always, we talk about the Queen Mary and like, oh, I would love to go and spend a night, but I want to spend a night in a haunted place, but not in a haunted room. Like I want to be guaranteed at least somewhat of a safe. But how do you control that? I guess maybe if spirits have like their favorite rooms and they're never seen outside of those rooms. But then, okay, I get that. But then are you also missing out on the experience by not staying in a haunted room? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't sleep at all if I was in a haunted room. It's like when I accidentally stayed at the the Congress Hotel in Chicago. I did not sleep at all. I was terrified. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember if I told you this when I was at the... Stanley Hotel? Yeah, thank you. I was going to say the Shining Hotel, but I was like, that's not right either. It's (laughs) not even the right name. The Overlook is what it is in the book. But the Stanley. We went like ghost hunting with Nick's parents at like midnight or something. And then Mm -hmm. like we go to bed and I woke up, I'm not kidding at 3am and had to throw up. Did I tell you this? No. And I just like extremely nauseous and like randomly puked. What? And like Nick and I had like the worst night's sleep ever. You told me that you guys didn't sleep well at all, but I didn't realize you vomited right at 3am. I vomited right at 3am. But then I also did that recently and I just like randomly sometimes wake up at 3am and have to puke. So I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know. It might be food related. Like if I ate too much dairy, who knows? Maybe. Yeah. I guess if it, if you're eating around the same time every night and then puking at the same time every Twilight. And no, I'm not pregnant. Oh my gosh. There was someone once when I had like an emotional ep- day at work or something and we recorded and I was like laughing and crying at the same time. Someone commented on our Instagram was like, Sabrina, are you pregnant? I was like, no, I am not. <laughs> Far from. Have you ever convinced yourself of pregnancy when there was no chance of you yes. coming pregnant? Because I feel like I have. That is like just what part of being a woman is. That's what I thought. Yeah. I think even, yeah, yeah, I won't go into details, but there have definitely been (laughs) long spans where it would have been impossible. But but yet I'm like, what if it was just frozen in there for eight months (laughs) and now suddenly it's decided to live? Well, that's what happens when the the show, like, I didn't know I was pregnant. When you hear about that, then everything scares you. I know. know. People literally have babies on toilets on that show. I know. They go to the bathroom because they have bad cramps and then they suddenly have a child. (laughs) But no, I'm convinced that some paranormal entity makes me puke at 3 a.m. I think so. Maybe maybe you're like truly battling it out at that moment in the dream world where the astral plane is the thinnest and you're just... Puking out demons. Yeah, I think (laughs) Or you have some guardian that's looking out for you and as soon as something else is coming a little too close or you're getting a little risky in your dreamlike state... It just punches you in the stomach to wake you up and save you. <laughs> it is kind of that feeling where like I just like spring awake and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to puke. <laughs> oh, God, maybe it is. Someone who's a doctor, please tell me if there's something really medically wrong with me. Because maybe maybe I need to go get this checked to out. To the doctor. Yeah. Well, another test we could do is go to this hotel and see if it happens here. Ooh. Just go to all the haunted hotels. <laughs> Okay, I have an email from our listener, Aaron. Sorry, I'm just, I love that this is our scientific experiment. Sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, it's our, that's our control. It's our version of figuring out what happened at Dilatov Pass. So <laughs> what's happening to Sabrina's But there's stomach. absolutely nothing scientific about it. <laughs> and we're just going to, even if there's data that contradicts what we want to hear, we're going to mm-hmm. choose the answer that mm-hmm. we want to that's be. what happened. The final answer. Screw a hypothesis. It's just whatever <laughs> we say it is. Great. Okay. This is from Aaron. It says, I've seen the croak. The croak? Hey, ladies. The croak. Remember the croak? The croak's back. The croak is back. Erin from Seattle here. First off, like everyone says, love the podcast. You two are so fun and you really know how to tell a spooky story. I have to get super spooked out because I usually listen when I'm doing chores alone in the apartment or when I'm out for a walk. I'm currently listening to Encounters episode 34 and the first story you talk about is of this woman who saw a small green man with old-fashioned clothes, a hooked nose, and a big black hat. I've seen this man too. What? He appeared to me in dreams often while I was growing up. I've always had really bad night terrors as a kid and often woke up in a cold sweat and shouting. I had a few that were reoccurring and this one definitely seemed more real than others. This man seemed to have more substance than other characters in my dreams. I first had this dream when my dad, sister, and I were visiting my grandparents. I was about five, I think, and my sister was two and a half years old older than me, so she must have been around seven or eight. Everyone was happy and healthy while going to bed, and my sister and I went to our room to fall asleep and fell asleep easily. As I slept, I saw what I can now name the croak, though he never told me his name. He never said anything, actually, just grinned. He had green skin, a large hooked nose, and a very oversized head, and a huge black top hat which matched his old-fashioned tuxedo. In this dream, he was on a tricycle, Keep in mind, I'd never seen The Shining at this time, and I never had a fear of bikes or trikes or anything, so I have no idea where Mm. this image came from, except from this man. He also wielded a large kitchen knife and began to chase me across a weirdly swampy green landscape. I remember suddenly not being able to run fast anymore, like I was trying to run while submerged in maple syrup. He was quickly catching up to me, and right as he was about to reach me, he raised his huge kitchen knife as if to strike me down... And I woke up. I woke up, yes, but only to see millions of spiders cascading (gasps) down from the ceiling at me. No! I screamed so loud, and my sister in the bed next to me shot out of bed and started telling me to shut up. A kid's reaction to loud noises when you were supposed to be asleep. My dad ran into the room, followed by my grandparents. And by the way, I don't remember any of that. I was only seeing spiders, which I wasn't afraid of as a kid. I actually used to play with daddy long legs and move them around our house into the garden. So I don't know where the imagery of spiders came from either. The next thing I remember was sitting in the chair of my grandparents' living room with my clothes off, my feet in an ice bath, and a fan pointing at me. My grandpa wiping down my skin with a wet cloth. My temperature was at 104 degrees. We ended up going to the hospital in the middle of the night when my fever wouldn't break. I'd never been an unhealthy kid. I'd never had high temperatures and the doctors couldn't diagnose it. They said it wasn't the flu. It wasn't a cold, but I'm sure they tested me out for other things as well. But my dad and grandpa were both left puzzled. The only thing I can think of is that I was given that fever and those images by this man. Obviously, I was delirious from the fever, thus seeing spiders, which weren't actually there. I know this. 
Not sure what the croak wanted, but I continued to have nightmares often growing up. I'm sure I just had a nightmare again and again because I was so traumatized by the first one. All of this I know, but it still doesn't explain the fever, the dream, the imagery that couldn't have been created in my own head. I always thought I was the only one who had seen this guy, but now I know he's more real than I knew. Oh. As a side note, because of all of the horrible nightmares I had as a kid, I learned a super neat trick to stop them. Not sure if it works for everyone, but it sure worked for me. You put your shoes or slippers together at the head of your bed, one toe facing the foot of your bed, and one facing the head of your bed. I got this trick from one of my after-school care counselors in elementary school, and it has worked my entire life. She said it confuses evil spirits that come to give you nightmares about which direction the person's head is facing. Oh. And so then they just leave instead. This explanation doesn't make sense to me, but that's the reason she gave me. (laughs) I don't need it every day anymore, but if I wake up from a nightmare, usually caused by shadow figures, which I will explain in another email, I run out to the living room, I find a pair of shoes, and I place them in this way. And miraculously, no more nightmares. Whoa. Thanks for keeping it real, ladies. See you on the other side. Erin. Okay, gotta try this technique. I know. Confuse the spirits. It reminds me of in the some of the Asian cultures, like putting out the red phallic symbols mm-hmm. or, or whatever to ward off the spirits. And also like there's like specific ways to sleep and your head facing a certain angle to prevent. Yeah, there's all those different techniques. Mm. We should do an episode about that. Well, I'm screwed. I sleep on my back. I like am literally ready for my soul to just leave my body. Yeah, at all you're times. like inviting them to paralyze you. Yeah, it's literally the easiest position ever to climb into. Although it is healthier to sleep on your back, so you can't win it all. No. (laughs) Maybe that's why I'm puking, because I'm laying on my stomach. Maybe I ate too close to bed. Oh, maybe. At least it's getting out of your body instead of poisoning you. Yeah, like this croak. No, thank you. I know. It makes me want to listen back to that episode, because I remember the croak being introduced, but I can't really remember exactly what happened in that encounters email that we read. But it just reminds me of... The hat man, you know, like when mm-hmm. so many people across the world see this one particular figure, and now we know the croak has been seen by more than one person. I know. And the fact that it's giving her nightmares and fevers, I mean, granted, there's no science behind it, but like we just said, we don't really, we just say whatever we want to say, that the croak could have been making her sick. Mm-hmm. And this the is very Freddy Krueger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the spiders. The spiders. Oh, oh, gross. That's actually my worst nightmare, waking up to seeing that. And I know they weren't actually there, but she woke up and they were, and then they were gone. I think, you know, spiders are are very creepy. They're one of my worst nightmares. Same. But I think waking up and anything cascading down from the ceiling at you, like it could be a tribe of guinea pigs and I would still be screaming because you're just not prepared for it. And it just seems wrong. I could argue that if a bunch of kittens came cascading down from the ceiling towards me when I woke up, I would love it. <laughs> I would be very yeah. happy. Now I'm just thinking like, are they parachuting down? They're not like spiders <laughs> that can just like have a little a little web. How are these guinea pigs and these kittens getting down? I imagine them like floating like little baby angels that they are. <laughs> Onto a sea of cotton balls that you're suddenly covered with. And I'm like rolling around with them and they're giving me kisses. (laughs) (laughs) So how do we make this happen? (laughs) Well, apparently not with the croak because he's only here for the nightmares and near-death experiences. Yeah, not a fan of the croak. No. Disturbing. Okay. I have a story from 
Kayla, and it's called My Brother Visiting My Dreams. Hi guys, my name is Kayla. I've just started binge listening to you guys and I love the references to all the spooky shows. My boyfriend hates that I watch them, but it's my guilty pleasure. I heard someone's visitation dream on one of your encounters and I wanted to share my own. So here's some backstory. I met my best friend Austin the first day freshman year of high school. There was an instant connection. He became my brother and our moms became friends. And at one point we transferred schools together and his mom was my emergency contact and vice versa. Our senior year, he moved in with his dad about three hours away. So we saw each other every few weeks and talked on the phone every few days. And I feel at this point, I should clarify, it was a totally platonic relationship. And people think it's weird, but we just connected immediately. He still lived three hours away on his 21st birthday when he went swimming at a lake, which was so big it had a current. And he was always a daredevil. And this day, he was not wearing a life jacket and the current pulled him under. So when he passed away, my last time talking to him was a Facebook message saying, happy birthday. And after about the first week of grieving, I accepted it probably weirdly fast. I'm not sensitive at all, but I feel protected and supported when I need it. Fast forward three years later, I had the weirdest dream. In my dream, I was walking around the house that I moved into during high school. I went and walked into my room and sat on my bed. I could hear my sisters in the living room, and one of them poked their head into my room and told me that Austin was there. And so Austin came into my room. In my dream, I knew I was dreaming, which is something I usually know. If things get weird, I can calm myself down. But I saw Austin and I ran to him and I hugged him and started ugly crying. He hugged me back and we went to my bed and turned on the TV and talked like it was our normal days in high school. We talked about my life and how I'm in school and working and he was so encouraging and he told me about his time at his dad's and I could feel him leaning against me. At some point in our conversation, it tapered off and I woke up. I woke up so shaken, but I felt so happy and at peace, and I still cry about missing him and still have days when I really need to talk to him. I probably won't ever tell his mom. I see her every few months and spend time with her because she's amazing, but I just can't give her that pain, especially if she hasn't had contact with him yet. And then, so that first email she sent back in 2018, and she sent a follow-up in 2021, about a week ago, Ooh, said, Hi ladies, I just wanted to update you on my previous email. It's been exactly two years since you've read it. In disclaimer, it's not spooky. I've only had a few times I felt my brother, but he's with me now more than ever. Last year, right before quarantine, I broke up with my boyfriend of six years and started getting back out there. After a few duds on Bumble, I met this guy. I wasn't 100% into him, but I couldn't stop talking to him. I thought he was fun and he was so, so, so cute. And well, we canceled our first date when all the bars shut down and kind of just put things on hold. And I did some internet stalking because online dating is scary and I'm a huge true crime fan. So I'll be damned if I get killed from a dating app date. Well, (laughs) I found him without knowing his last name. I only knew his first name, his school, age, and a rough idea of where he worked, but the pictures matched. But something was off. His full name seemed so familiar. His last name was the same as my best friend's ex-husband. I asked and she said it was one letter off, but after thinking on it, it hit me. I texted my brother's mom, and she had been married to a guy with a similar last name. She had gotten divorced right when Austin had passed away, so her ex-husband and now her ex-stepson were not at the service. I asked her what her son's name was, and she replied to me with a screenshot of the exact same Facebook I was looking at, asking me, what did you do? I won't judge. JK, maybe a little. (laughs) I had a full-fledged freakout and cried. I FaceTimed my best friend who told me if I liked him, I should tell him and see how it goes. So I did. It was a shock to both of us. And mind you, I didn't give him the news softly. It was more like, did you know we knew each other? Well, this is who your dad is, and this is the house you lived in. And we both agreed it was a cosmic joke. 
Seven months later, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I've told him about the parties I had at his dad's house when his parents were both out of town and he was at his mom's. He remembers being in the car driving to my house to drop off and pick up his slash my best friend brother, Austin. Oh, I've stopped saying my brother because now it's just weird. I get stories about when I wasn't around and tell him stories and they have some of the same weird mannerisms and my boyfriend breaks out singing into the same songs and it's wild because it was pretty much love at first kiss. (laughs) We've been inseparable ever since and meeting his family has been weird. They know how we are connected and seeing his dad again was just super interesting and we have plans to see his stepmom slash my friend's mom again when she's done moving. So that's the story of how I'm pretty sure my best friend is still watching over me. And sometimes I feel like I'm getting punked because this boy whose life has encompassed mine is so perfect. And I'm glad it took us long to meet. The timing was everything, but I'm 99.7% sure my brother is making sure I'm actually his sister, even if it's by marrying his ex-stepbrother that I've never met until five years after his passing. <laughs> Love and light. Thank you for everything you do and see you on the other side. Kayla. Oh, isn't that sweet? That's so sweet. He's matchmaking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bringing two people that he loves together. I know. And I'm <laughs> curious. If she's told his mom now about the dream, now that they've Mm. surpassed all of these other potential roadblocks of communication, and now they're, I'm sure, seeing each other frequently, I wonder if it's come up again. I also want to note, just if she hasn't told her, I kind of just, I mean, it's your decision, obviously, but I wonder if Kayla does tell her, will that spark? Austin's mom to like remember something or tell her about a dream that she had who that she was Mm -hmm. afraid of telling Kayla I don't know I just it sounds like he's very active in their lives that I wouldn't be surprised if multiple people have had visitations from him right yeah and I think too the other thing there's a couple things to consider like I I appreciate that she's being she's she's concerned and doesn't want to overstep or make Mm -hmm. anyone, you know, jealous or question why they didn't get a visitation if they hadn't. But I think part of it has to do with your openness or potential availability to even be contacted, whether that's, you know, by a relative, your son, or just by a spirit in general. So perhaps there's more than we understand about who can actually be contacted. Right. And then I think the other thing too, is that it actually might bring some some peace to the family. Like I, I remember I told you when I was in eighth grade that I had a, a friend who I'd only known for a year, but right. yeah, he had passed away and I had this crazy vivid dream of all of these different things happening that didn't make any mm-hmm. sense to me. And then I ended up sitting down and telling his parents my dream. And it was like chronological order of all of these oh things gosh. that happened in his childhood that I had no clue about because we had basically re- more recently become friends. It's amazing. Yeah. But also what a hard decision for you to make to say to go and tell them that because right. you don't know how they would perceive it or you don't even know that it was something that they'd understand. Exactly. Corinne, I think you could be a psychic medium. I can't. I have no control over it. If I, know, I have actually could. been thinking about it, though, and you know how everybody's like picking up new hobbies and trying to better <laughs> themselves. I kind of want to get back into opening myself up and trying to be a little Do bit it. more receptive to energy again. I, d- I did a really good job over the past like four years blocking myself off because <laughs> it was it was active enough and really scaring yeah. me. But mm-hmm. I think if I learned to apply some more control, I don't think I could ever be a full on psychic medium, but I don't maybe know. I'd I think you could harness some knowledge, be able to understand the energy that I'm mm-hmm. receiving that's a little a, bit that's better. That's a start. Yeah. Yeah. But- Meditation is good. 
meditation. I'll get back into Reiki. I'm a Reiki level one. (laughs) (laughs) We should both do it together. Yeah, I just don't think that I'm in tune enough, but mayhaps. You You could become it. Okay, let's do it. Let's. This is our journey. Let's try together. Well, speaking of channeling, I have a story that's titled Encounter. I channeled Corinne's mom. Oh my gosh, what? Well, sort of. Oh. Not, I'm making <laughs> it I'm making it sound a little different than what it actually is. You're tricking okay. me. Hello, ladies and ghost. I'm a newish listener. I feel like now we need to say and ghost and haunted dolls who listen. Yeah. Shout out to everybody, the whole crew. Can't leave anyone out. Hello, ladies and go- ghost. Ooh, ghost. You're doing over my words. Dolls and ghosts together. I know. I'm a newish listener, so I am still hanging out with you guys back in 2019. Oh, to go back to before COVID times. <laughs> Moving on. In one of the episodes, Corinne told the story of how her family's ghost dog got freaked out, ran into her mom's bedroom, and huddled on the bed. Her mom perceived something dark and evil coming towards said ghost dog, and she told the mysterious meanie to get out. <laughs> I filed that relaxation in my good to know for bad situations folder. <laughs> Today is the first day back to school for my kids. And as my sleep schedule has been out of whack for the last couple of weeks, I took an Ambien when I went to bed. I didn't get a visit from the Ambien walrus, but I did get my first experience with sleep paralysis. Worthwhile trade-off? Eh, well, at least I didn't spend $400 on useless exercise equipment on Amazon. It's a toss-up. <laughs> After taking my kids to school, I went back to sleep because despite the ambient, I slept horribly. And this is when I have what I later figure out to be sleep paralysis. So there I was in a blissful dreamland trying to figure out which of the three kitchens in my dream house had the Thanksgiving dinner, all while wondering why my cousins are suddenly Green Bay Packer fans. (laughs) Go Bears! When I have this shift in awareness and I recognize that I'm awake, but still dreaming. One of the half-in, half-out dream deals. I felt a pressure next to me as if my husband was snuggling close to steal some of my life heat. But then the pressure rolled on top of me, and I couldn't move. I tried, but I was pinned. The dreaming part of me was like, demon! But the awake engineer part of me was like, well, this is uncomfortable. How do I get this demon all the way off of my back? And I channeled Corinne's mom, of course. Why else (laughs) would I have that folder? It went something like this. Me, bellowing internally. Get off of me right now! Pressure lets off. Me, thinking internally, huh, that actually worked. Hell yeah, I'm a badass. (laughs) High fives myself. Pressure comes back on. Did I fucking say you could come back? You are not welcome here. Pressure lets off again. Now, where did I put that can opener? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. An hour later, I awoke, and once I was fully aware of my surroundings, I marveled at the notion of how I remembered Corinne's mom's action to an evil thing and applied it to my own sleep paralysis while in the moment. My dog looked at me with mild disdain, but she's startled by her own farts, so she's in no position to judge how I handle (laughs) my inner demons. (laughs) So this evil so funny. I, I love this. So thank you, Corinne's mom. You helped me out of what could have been a terrifying experience, but is more of a that was weird sort of thing. If this happens again, I'll remember to keep my head up, my shoulders back and bellow with authority because, hey, inner demon, I survived 2020. Do you really want to take me on? <laughs> Be well, ladies and ghost, and I'll see you on the other side. Diana. 
Wow. And then Diana. she posted a, a picture of her dog. She has a picture of her dog. She's a Great Dane. And the dog has all of his limbs or her her limbs, all of her paws Aww. all together. Like you could literally wrap a, a ribbon around all of her paws and they'd all be together. And it's so cute because it looks so much like the same sleeping position my dog, when he was alive, Wrinkles had, and he was a Doberman or it's part actually Doberman. The same position that I sleep in, so <laughs> that's why you're throwing up. <laughs> you're yeah. twisting yourself into weird positions. Oh gosh! Oh my gosh, Diana! I just you're hilarious. Can you just write to us all the time and tell us I know. what your days? We need like a you know newspapers how they have like little advice columns. We need Diana's corner. We need her to just have a weekly report. Yep. Just about whatever you want. (laughs) Wow. Good for you telling that sleep paralysis demon to F off. I know. And I like this folder that she has. You know, we should start that of like really taking in these pieces of advice that we find through emails or through our own experiences and being like, you know what? I can apply this in the future. This isn't a one-time survival. Yes. This is long term. I'm also obsessed with your dream house that has three kitchens. <laughs> Which dream kitchen? Where's the Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> wow. So great. So good. Well, if we can figure out ways to jump between dreams, I want to go to Diana's dream because it sounds sick. Mine does the sleep paralysis. I have a story from Jenna and... The subject line is insert clever title here for the ghostesses, which I think Perfect. is clever. That is clever. It got got our attention. It really did. Okay. Hello, ghostesses. I felt compelled to write y'all after spending all Thanksgiving weekend of 2020 binge listening to your podcast while working on my paint by numbers project, admittedly estimating at least 24 hours in a three day period. So I'm definitely a fan. I discovered this podcast a few months ago and I've been keeping up with new episodes, but also listening to the episodes from the beginning as well, trying to catch up. I just listened to episode 41, Satan's Sedan, and thought, hey, it's a good time to write the ladies, as it gave me a few interesting segues to use in my storytelling. Long email, so settle down, ladies, grab your wine, grab your cat, and shut the closet. Now, the highway to hell. In my wild 20s, I was a geologist and traveled all over the beautiful four corner states, hiked all over, drove UTVs and lifted trucks, accessed parts that are nearly impossible to reach, and stood on soil that we know no one has stood on in hundreds of years before us. Yay, microbes, for helping us know this. (laughs) One of the fieldwork places I went to was an abandoned uranium mine reclamations. And when you stand in front of these mine openings on an insane cliff, you wonder how anyone even got back there in the day, and there's a sense of mystique. There's no doubt some of these places have seen death of the miners, but I have not had ghostly encounters here except for this. We found a very, very old grave, a lone grave that was in the middle of nowhere, and we treated it respectfully, never walked over it, and didn't get too close to it. But immediately after discovering it, everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong, like losing days of data, my safety beacon getting destroyed, equipment failing, etc., But when we left that district, everything was back to okay and back to working conditions. So we dubbed that area cursed and assumed it was because we discovered the grave and whatever spirit it was, was now reawakened. Another field work I've done is with the Navajo Nation, and we would commute past the Shiprock daily. If you haven't seen it yet, she is a beauty to behold. It looks like just a geological feature. But when you look at it on a topographical map, it's stunning. Here's a photo of it, and it's a cool circular center with three distinct spears shooting out of it, 
although one of them is much less prominent. I've also been on a portion of that highway to the north and sad to report no encounters. But to be fair, it was only during daytime. During my wild 20s mining days, the whole crew used to stay in a tiny town in southwest Colorado from time to time, the kind where no one had cell service. My, in quotes, hotel room had two queen beds and one evening, I was sitting on the bed furthest from the door and saw a very distinct cat's tail walk past the other side of the bed. It just walked through the room. I didn't see the rest of the body because it would have been behind the bed, but the tail was obvious. Then, a few minutes later, I saw a dog walk through my room. It happened so quick that my brain registered it looked like a dog, but not much else was recorded. The next morning, I casually brought up the cat and the dog to my little team, and two of the teammates were the client's representatives, and these were tough, burly, rough-and-tumble mountain men. One of them walked away from the conversation, and I assumed he's offended, but didn't think much more about it. The next morning, his colleague came up to me and said, He walked away because you freaked him out. He said he saw the cat and the dog in his room that night, too. <gasps> what? I didn't see the animals again, and I feel vin- but I feel justified that my experience was also experienced by someone else. My fiancé and I were recently in Telluride, Colorado, and he treated us to a lovely, spacious rental condo that had a loft upstairs. This trip was after my Thanksgiving marathon of TGOG binging, and I had recently told my fiancé, I'll just call him Drew, for privacy, that I needed to take a break from your podcast because the stories were starting to get to me. Lo and behold, I get to this condo and pretty quickly feel some feels that we were not alone. For the next few days, I thought I saw movement out of the corner of my eye many times, but per my feeling like TGOG was starting to get to me, I told myself that I was probably just imagining stuff. One night toward the end of the trip, I was using the toilet. While I'm sitting on the porcelain throne that is next to a standard tub with shower curtains that are drawn, I heard the plastic curtain lining moving. Still in denial, I thought maybe the curtain is settling despite having been like 12 hours since the last use. So I tapped it to see if I could loosen whatever was settling. Problem solved, right? No. It continued. The noise was like as if someone was in the tub just lightly tapping on the plastic curtain. Maybe like a little bit of a dragging fingers down it to create a quiet rustling. I tap again thinking, damn, it's still not straightened. And the noise continued. Eventually, I was like, okay, maybe sitting on the toilet, but I'm just going to settle this once and for all. And I rapidly drew the curtains open to find nothing there. So I just mumbled, you're annoying me. The next day, we were out in the town and Drew says to me, I have something to tell you about the condo, but maybe we should wait until we leave so you're not spooked. And immediately, I knew what it was about, but didn't respond with anything other than, okay, because I was too scared to talk about it. That night, Drew asked a few times while he was sleeping if I said something to which the answer was always no. After we got up, he asked if I touched his back overnight, and I said no. Out at lunch, I said to him that I know he wants to talk about it, but not until we leave because I'm worried that whatever it is would turn on me if I acknowledged it. So he eventually got me to open up, and he revealed that he asked about touching his back because he felt a hand on his back and turned around to see me, realized that I was dead asleep facing away from him, and it was definitely not my hand that he felt. Ooh. He then asked if I had been up to the loft in the condo. And I said no. He said he also hasn't been up there since the first night when we were checking out the place. The loft can kind of be seen from the main floor. And he said one night a light was on up there and he went to go turn it off. But we knew the light wasn't on the first couple of days. Our last night there was the worst. I barely got any sleep at all. Imagine that you're trying to sleep, but your partner is up and moving about the room. The lights are off, but they're not making any noise or directly bothering you in any way. But you still feel some sense of restless presence around you, right? Well, that's how it felt. 
The ghost seemed to want me to be hyper aware of its presence and feel equally restless. Up until that night, I felt like it was benign and suspected either a pet or a child, and yet I had distrust towards it, hence worrying it would turn on me. So as we were leaving, my phone made two notification sounds. One was our home security app, another was Teams app, but no actual notification showed up. It was as if the ghost was saying goodbye to me by acknowledging that I was returning to my home and work, and we made sure to say, goodbye, ghost. Drew is absolutely a non-believer, and not only did he bring it up to me first, but he apparently felt compelled to tell the rental company that we think it's haunted. I had always said to him that it's not always old buildings I feel stuff in, and that even new places can cause it. And even if it doesn't look creepy, it can be haunted. And this building was built probably around the mid-2000s. I also have a dope story about my time in Charleston, South Carolina, but I'll send that to you on another time. Uh, It was such a dumbfounding experience, and five years later, I'm still processing it. Keep up the good work. See you on the other side. Jenna. Wow. Holy crap. This was a lot of surprise uh, hauntings. Right. And um, how cool is her job? It's literally the coolest. I feel like she's famous. I want to hear all about all of your your fieldwork adventures. Yeah. And even non-paranormal crazy discoveries. Like what weird things have you come across in your job? But kind of creepy that everything stopped working after they discovered that old grave. Yeah, I know. And then the first spirits that they see are a dog and a cat, which Mm -hmm. confused me a little bit because it just seems so ordinary. You know, it seems like like a regular, like someone had a regular life in that area, but Based on on the sediment that they were examining, no one had been there for a long, right. long time. But that was the hotel that they were staying at in like a small Colorado town. So, oh, you're right. I imagine that those had have had a lot more. The spirits are not connected; they're different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, well, at least a dog and cat were the first ones to introduce themselves. I know. I feel like cute. that's a good warm up, a nice mm-hmm. little palate cleanser for mm-hmm. for the bigger stuff to happen. <laughs> And I love that that tough mountain guy was terrified because he had also seen them. I know. I know. And then her fiance getting touched. It, it's just, it sounds like the ghost was attacking him more than her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until the end. Right. But we've also said it before, getting like some type of haunting experience happening to you in the bathroom. It's truly unsettling because you just, you have your pants down. What are you going to do? I know. You're very vulnerable. Yeah. It's terrifying. And then it's like, what horrible PTSD from that, you know? Like, it's <laughs> it's only natural that you're going to have to use the bathroom when the lights are down and the sun is gone. Mm-hmm. And now all you're going to be thinking about is that experience. Yeah. Don't love it. I need to know what the what the hotel or, or management had responded to her yeah. fiance or her husband. I need to know what they said in return. Me too. And how exactly his email was worded. <laughs> yeah. Send us all of the stuff. And I want to hear about your experience in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. The fact that it you're still processing it and it's that scary. I mean. We need to know. Need I wonder to know. if it was at the old jail in Charleston. You wouldn't be the only one who had experiences there. Ooh. Tell us. Tell us. Please do. Alrighty, this one's called This One Features a Cat. Well, I'm in. I knew you would be. (laughs) Hey, ghost girls, I absolutely adore your podcast. It's gotten me through some really hard times and renewed my belief in the life beyond the here and now. I'll always be grateful to you too, the podcast and the work that you've done. But I wanted to share a quick, sweet story with you. 
To give you some context, I'm a physician, and for the majority of my appointments, I'm doing some sort of office-based procedure on my patients. Biopsies, debridements, I don't know what that means. I don't know, but maybe she'll know what's going on with my stomach. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can you give us some free advice, please? Um, etc. And a lot of patients usually go quiet while I'm working. So I will always spark conversation to get to know them, put them at ease and make the situation feel more comfortable. I love animals. So my go-to subject is asking about their pets. A patient of mine told me a story about how they acquired one of his two kitties and I have to share it with you. He said that a few years ago, his wife had grown very ill and she was hospitalized for a period of time. When they decided that her time to go was growing closer, they transferred her out of the hospital so that she could cross over peacefully in her own home. Mm. For those who don't know, in situations like this, the hospital will typically have an ambulance provide transport back to the patient's home. When the ambulance arrived to their home, they parked in the driveway. The paramedics opened the back door to the ambulance, and this strange cat comes out of the underneath of the ambulance and Uh jumps into the back of the ambulance to sit on my wife, who is secured to the gurney. Oh, my God. Neither he nor his wife had met this cat before. The paramedics naturally asked my patient if it was their cat, and he said no. So they picked the cat up. Toss her into the bushes right next to where the ambulance was parked. The paramedics start their thing and begin to transfer his wife out of the ambulance, still on the gurney, so that she can be wheeled into their home. They get her inside and everyone notices that the same strange cat is hiding on the bottom of the gurney. (laughs) During the transport, the cat, I have chills, the cat snuck from the bushes, hid on the bottom of the gurney, and hitched a ride into the house. My patient was impressed by her persistence. So he turned to his wife and asked if she wanted a cat. And she said, yes. So they kept her. I'm crying. (laughs) He said his wife passed away peacefully less than two weeks later, but the cat stayed with them and made herself at home. To this day, his wife's cat insists on sleeping in the bed with him so that he never sleeps alone. Oh my God. Now I'm crying again. I was so struck by the story. I immediately knew that I had to share it with you too. I'm certain that this cat is a guardian or a spirit guide, and I believe she helped his wife cross safely and peacefully and then stuck to give my patient comfort through a difficult time. See you on the other side, but also it'd be way cool to see you on this side too, so maybe a live show or something. Anne. Wow. Isn't this so sweet? I'm... I have tears. I'm crying. This is beautiful. It's literally the sweetest. I'm just like picturing... I feel like this is a Pixar short, you know, like the cat, like finding its way back into the gurney, hitching a ride everywhere. Oh, that cat was meant to be theirs. Oh my gosh, that is a beautiful story. Sleeping on the bed every night with him. Oh gosh, trust your pets. Trust your pets. They're so pure. My gosh. Right, Lay, you're so pure. It's so sweet. And I totally believe that, yeah, it's, this cat is some spirit guide or some guardian that just knew that they needed to be with him and with his wife. Ugh. That's so special. And like, I'm not a huge cat person, so I don't understand total cat personalities, but that seems (laughs) out of the ordinary, doesn't it? For a cat, even after rejection and a lot of strangers around it to be so persistent on being with someone. I mean, it depends on the cat, but yeah, I mean, it is clearly they were meant to be all together. Mm -hmm. So sweet. Also, Corinne, did you see Anne sent pictures of her dog? And there's one of the dog with its tongue out in the bubble bath. And I'm dying. (laughs) 
<laughs> the tongue out in the bubble bath and then the corgi looking over the couch like on the couch pillow looking out the, the window and his little showing. feet are <laughs> don't oh my touch gosh. the bottom of the couch he's just hanging off his little heart butt oh so cute wow love and that. also the coolest looking cat what are those like pterodactyl uh, polydactyl have, like, what's that called i forget but let's call it pterodactyl because that's fun but it is like <laughs> that it's, it's like po- pet, polydactyl pet it's definitely polydactyl yeah. not pterodactyl is a dinosaur <laughs> But I do love the little thumbs. So sweet. Wow. Wow. What a story. Oh, gosh. Leia, come here. Let's snuggle. Snuggle up. She just looked at me with a stink eye, so. All righty. This is a story from Ashton, and it's called Haunted Antique Bed Frame? Hey, ladies. I discovered the podcast about six months ago, and this was two years ago. So now two and a half years ago. Wow. Y'all would keep me company on my long drives to visit my boyfriend while he was in college. Now that we're back in the same city, I listen any chance I get. Y'all are seriously the best. Y'all keep me laughing, even though I'm usually scared as hell with half the stories. (laughs) Anywho, here's my experience. It's about a piece of antique furniture. Now, we've always had antiques in the house. It's just kind of my mom's style, and we never really had issues. We'd occasionally hear noises that sounded like people walking up and down the stairs in the middle of the night, but never thought much of it. Well, right after I graduated high school, I decided to finally redecorate my childhood bedroom, which included finally getting rid of my bunk beds. When it came time to finding me a new bed frame, my mom suggested the one we had in storage. So we fished it out and it was perfect. It is dark wood with beautiful floral-like detailed carvings. It also had a big stamp on the back that said 1887. I asked my mom about it, And she said that that was the year it was made. She told me about how my dad had gotten it from a family member who passed away years ago. And my dad refinished it. I was just like, oh, all right, cool. Keep in mind, I have an antique dresser in my room. So what's the harm in bringing in another antique? Well, as soon as I brought the bed frame up to my room, I got a weird feeling about it. I couldn't quite place it, but it felt hella uneasy, especially with the thought of having to sleep on it. A few weeks later, once my room was complete, I had my first night in the room with the new bed. It was quite uneventful, minus waking up at 12.45 a.m. From that night on, I woke up every single night at exactly 12.45 a.m. Now, I've seen enough horror movies and read plenty of ghost stories to know something was up. I had to start sleeping with my TV on so I wouldn't be so spooked. And I still had an awful feeling about this bed frame any time I was in my room. Apparently, one of my dogs, Bentley, felt it too, because any time Bentley would walk into my room, the hairs on his back would visibly stand on end. He'd never hang out on my bed with me either, and I told my mom about my experiences and Bentley's weird behavior, and we laughed it off and joked that we had a ghost. Soon after this had started, my mom and I were out shopping, and we found some bundled sage. I jokingly suggested we get it to get rid of my ghost. Well, we did buy it, but we didn't burn it when we got home. We just put it on the counter in the kitchen. That next day, I was at home alone, and I kept hearing random knocks downstairs in the kitchen. I tried to tell myself I was just being paranoid, and I decided to do stuff in my room in an attempt to avoid the kitchen. But while I was in my room, I had my back to my door, which was open, and I heard Bentley come in to see what I was up to. As soon as he walked into my room, he started barking. Loud, angry barks. I turned around, expecting to see him leaving my room to check the front windows and doors, assuming he had heard a cat or something out front. Instead, I turned to see him furiously barking at my bed. (gasps) Oh no! I dropped what I was doing and audibly said, 
fuck this shit, and ran out of my room, slamming the door on my way out. I grabbed the sage and a lighter and got to work on getting rid of the negative presence. I even put on a good vibes playlist to promote positivity in the house. I saged (laughs) the entire house and instantly felt a bit better. When I told my mom what happened, we laughed and I almost felt silly for reacting the way I did. My boyfriend, a big skeptic, convinced me that I had overreacted and it was surely nothing paranormal. But the next day, home alone again, I decided to take a nap. Well, during my nap, I had a horrifying dream. I dreamt that I was asleep on my bed, but that there was a man standing in the corner of my room. I never actually saw what his face looked like in the dream, but I could see his body and feel his presence and hear his voice. He had an olive complexion with dark brown buzz cut hair. He wore a white flowy long sleeve shirt with dark burgundy pants. And once I became aware of his presence, I tried to get up and run, but I couldn't. I was basically stuck to the bed. I had no strength to even lift my head up. He began to walk around my bed all while laughing in a terrifyingly deep, menacing laugh. In an equally deep voice, he said, You think you can get rid of me that easily? Ha! You have no power to banish me. Needless to say, I was freaking the fuck out. And with that last sentence, I woke up, ran downstairs, and grabbed the sage again. And this time, I also snagged my rosary. While I saged the house, I prayed the rosary. When he had said, I personally don't have the power, I thought, but I do have the Lord on my side, and he is far more powerful than whatever you are. After that cleansing, I had no more experiences, no knocking, no more waking up at 12.45 a.m., Bentley stopped barking at my bed, and now loves to chill with me in my room. Thanks for reading. I have another story that could possibly be a glitch in the Matrix, but I'll save that for another time. Keep up the awesome work. I always tell my friends and family about the crazy stories I hear on the podcast. Y'all keep me entertained and on edge. Stay spooky, ladies, and see you on the other side. Lots of love from Texas, Ashton. I want to know who the spirit is. Is it the spirit (laughs) of someone who built the frame back in the Mm. late 1800s? Or is this someone who was just like feeling so jazzed about coming into the possession of this Mm -hmm. frame that his spirit's now attached? Yeah, I mean, what do I know about attire from the 1800s? But like the white puffy sleeves makes me think of Pirates of the Caribbean. So I'm yeah, imagining... very like Victorian era, which is right. around that time. I'm imagining it's someone who owned the bed. The Edwardian era of dress. This man who's now angry and scaring the poor dog. Yeah. And like the way that it was so dark, like you think you can get rid of me that easily. Yeah. Like what were you trying it's to very do? very challenging. Very. Here's the other thing, too. To my knowledge, to my own personal experiences, when using sage to clear energy, I've or just really anything that you use to, to clear your energy and create a positive space, if a spirit is not actually a negative spirit, it doesn't leave. Like when my family uses different materials to cleanse our space in Vermont, we have resident ghosts who've been with us 10 years and we mm-hmm. definitely cleanse more than that. So mm. perhaps he just didn't understand humor and is actually nice. Or well, we've also heard when like you're saging sometimes like you're supposed to open a window or, you know, there's ways to that the spirit wouldn't necessarily leave. So it could still be a negative spirit that just mm-hmm. held on. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, like especially when we're talking about dark mirrors and all of these different haunted artifacts, it's quite possible that there's something much darker that's just attached to it. And 
first became attached during that sort of era and is mm. presenting itself as what was normal at that time and just hasn't updated its own look. <laughs> its look updated didn't have a glow up yet. No, has not. <laughs> you just click the update. Remind me tomorrow. <laughs> remind me tomorrow. <laughs> I literally just did that on my computer. <laughs> who actually clicks update now? <laughs> who? Tell me who. I wait I for know. like three years until my computer's about to die. And then I'm Same. like, okay, fine. Oh, update software. Same. But Ashton, I'm so glad that you were able to get rid of whatever this is. Because I don't know, you want to be comfortable in your own bed. True. I know you're sleeping on that thing. Yeah. That's your most vulnerable time. Yeah. Forget the bathroom. It's when you're asleep in your bed. That's true. Those are probably top two. Top two. For sure. Oh my gosh. Wow. Also, again, trust your pets. This is such a trust your pets episode. It really is. Dang. Okay. Well, I have a story from Ashley. It's called Grandparents Are Always Protecting Me, Sad, But a Comforting Tale. Oh, we like grandparents. Hi, ladies. I have a spooky, sad, but somewhat comforting tale for you about how my grandparents are always with me and saving my life. Some background information for you. I'm sorry, this will be a little long, but both of my grandparents passed away within six months of each other. My grandma quite suddenly at the end of October of 2017, and my grandpa passed due to dementia in April of 2018. Mm. I was very close to both of them. In between them passing, I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 28 years old. So my mom and I never really got a chance to mourn both of them since cancer sort of takes over your entire life and you have to do what you have to do. By the way, I'm doing fine and have finished active treatment with no evidence of disease. Wait, amazing. Amazing. So the first instance where we think my grandma saved my life was the day that I found my tumor. To understand this, you must know that from the time I was six, we had dinner at my grandparents every Tuesday, and we called it pasta night, where obviously we'd eat pasta. (laughs) We'd spend time as a family after dinner. My parents and I would go hang out for a little bit, and sometimes we would use their hot tub. So back to the day that I found my tumor, my grandma had just passed about a month and a half earlier and we'd come home from visiting my grandpa and decided to use the hot tub. As I was putting on my bathing suit, I felt a lump, like it was sticking out of my skin, like almost swollen and sore. And it was quite alarming since I swear it wasn't there earlier that day and you could see it sticking out. I made my mom look at it because, well, it was just super odd. And I called the doctor the next day since it was still swollen and went to get an ultrasound a few days later. And they found a lump right away, but they didn't tell me that it was cancer, but they did tell me the next steps I needed to take to see what it was. What still blows my mind is this tumor actually shrunk from the ultrasound to the biopsy. The doctors were all a little confused and said that it was abnormal, that it would actually get smaller, but maybe I was lucky and I just caught it right as it was starting to form or something weird. But I will still credit my grandma Hmm. because. The swelling didn't go down until after the ultrasound, and it was on a Tuesday where I might not have noticed it otherwise. I was diagnosed with stage one triple positive breast cancer, which the one aspect, HER2 positive, can make it super aggressive. And they say it's rare to diagnose an HER2 positive cancer at stage one, and it could have easily been stage three or four if I had found it six months later. I mean, it could have just been a coincidence, but I like to think that she was watching out for me. The next story I have was on the Monday of Labor Day weekend, 2019. I went out with my friends and my boyfriend and we had a great night at the bar. The bar closed and we decided to catch a ride home from a friend's fiance who was 100% sober, unlike the rest of us in the vehicle. 
Well, he was going too fast down the road. He ran a red light and we hit another car and rolled over three times, according to the police, by watching the traffic cam video. We weren't allowed to see it. Trust me. I asked. Both cards... (laughs) Both cars were totaled, and my boyfriend and I ended up being stuck in the crushed backseat of the truck, and the jaws of life had to be used to remove us. Everyone in the cars were miraculously okay, only minor injuries. My boyfriend and I had some whiplash and gnarly bruises. Everyone we encountered afterwards was saying that it was amazing that we were still alive and that we were walking. They'd seen worse injuries from fender benders, and that we must have had someone looking out for us. Well, I believe we did. Little did I know that the night before my mom had a dream. It was the first time she dreamt of both of my grandparents since they had passed. She said she couldn't remember the details of the dream, but she woke up that morning very unsettled. She thought maybe it was just because it was the first time that she dreamed of them, but she couldn't shake the feeling that it was a warning. The night of the accident, she had another dream with just my grandma, who she said told her, it will be all right. And then my mom woke up to the phone ringing and me calling to say that I was in a car wreck. FYI, I was still stuck in the back of the truck at this time. Oh my gosh. She said that she basically broke down, especially after the pictures, because she knew that it meant that my grandpa was there to protect us all. And she hasn't had a dream about them since. Oh my God, I have full body chills. Whoa. She hasn't had a dream about them since, but I have about my grandpa who had no idea that I had cancer when he passed. After the accident, I had a dream with my grandpa and we were just there talking in the old basement and suddenly he got up and went to the glass back door and I got up to see what he was looking at. And when I stood at the front of the door and looked out, even though he was standing next to me, his reflection was in the glass and we both looked at each other with a very sad look and the dream was over because I instantly shot up to his voice in my ear saying, I'm really proud of you, Ashley. (laughs) A man whose voice I hadn't heard in two years because he wasn't able to talk the last year of his life was whispered into my ear. And I sat and I cried and I called my mom and I told her about it. And she said, that's exactly how it was with my grandma the night of the accident. Oh my God. I haven't had an experience with them since, but I hope it doesn't mean that they're gone. I have a pretty spooky experience with my cat who passed away though. Thanks for reading, Ashley. And she sent pictures of the car, and oh my god, whoa! It looks whoa. brutal. I'm so glad everyone's okay. But Ashley, you 100% have two guardians looking out for you. I like that her grandparents are tag teaming the guardianship. Yeah, you know, like her yeah. grandpa goes to check on her and her friends in the car, and then her grandma's like, "We'll all get our daughter. I'll talk to her mom, <laughs> make sure that she knows everything's fine." Like they just split up mm. and handle business. That's a TV show or a movie. I'd watch that. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Wow. Oh, and you've survived so much. I'm just amazed by you as a human. I know. And, and it's almost like the times that they come are clearly in times when something wrong is happening and you really need mm-hmm. their help. And so I'm almost glad that you haven't seen them more frequently because yeah. it feels like they have to spend a lot of energy to come and visit and protect you. And I'm glad that you're relatively okay and that that car accident wasn't worse and that you're doing well with your cancer treatments but it's amazing to know that in case you know if you do ever need them they will be there and they will jump in and whether they bring a message to you in a dream or even if it's silent it seems like they will be there to Mm -hmm. protect you whisper in your ear it's so nice so sweet i'm so proud of you (laughs) (laughs) oh my heart's melting Ugh. Wow. 
just so lovely. I love love. I have a story from S, and it's called Hat Man Presenting as Willem Dafoe. Question mark. Creepy slash funny short story. Interesting. Hey, ladies, jumping right into it. When I first started listening to you guys last year, it always spooked me when you'd mentioned stories of the hat man because of this one experience I had several years ago in college. Back in college, I was situated in a dorm where you could look out the window of the seventh floor. You could see a big highway going past the building and stretching past the city. I have a vivid memory of one night when I woke up from one of those dreams that feels way too real, almost like you're half awake and aware when it's happening. And in my dream, I was laying in my bed exactly where I was when I heard and felt somebody whisper in my ear, my name is David. I died in a car crash on the highway nearby. (gasps) Then in my dream, still laying in bed, I opened my eyes to look towards my bedroom doorway. The door was open and there was a dim light coming from behind that was revealing a shadow of a man standing there in the doorway. He was wearing a wide brimmed hat and I was getting all kinds of negative vibes from the shadow, but I shakily tried to look at his face to identify him. And then I recognized the face as that bad guy in the Spider-Man movies. I'm not even that into Spider-Man movies and didn't even know his name at the time. I later looked it up and sure enough, the guy looked exactly like Willem Dafoe. It all startled and confused me so much, and I woke up in a cold sweat. I immediately went to text my group chat of friends about the super weird experience. Like, guys, I just had the craziest dream, and I went to add some emojis, you know, like I do. And I think the whole experience could have been forgotten as just a weird dream, except for the fact that in my most frequently used emojis at the very top was the emoji of the detective man face wearing a wide brim hat, which I never use. Ick. I did do a quick Google search to see if there had been any car crashes nearby recently and hadn't found anyone by the name of David. So who knows? Maybe there was, but not recently enough for it to have shown up in my search. His whisper just felt so real. Thanks for reading, S. Oh, gosh, I have so many thoughts. And maybe they're a little dark from this story. But I'm just thinking, yeah, it could be perhaps that there was a spirit who's just not understanding time as it passes by. And he did pass a long time or many years back where it would be difficult to find an article on the crash. But another part of me is thinking just about, you know, dimensions and time slips and (laughs) time travel. And what if this is an accidental premonition? What if there is going to be like his spirit was ahead of himself and essentially warned her of something that is going to happen to someone on a road That's nearby in dark. the near future. That's very, very dark. And I don't want to think that. <laughs> but I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> but his appearance and like the wide brimmed hat, like, I mean, granted, I don't know where this is, where this story took place, but kind of reminds me and also might be influenced by the fact that I just read a book about the Wild West, but like <laughs> it reminds me of like a very old timey, like, you know, crash or accident that happened mm. that wouldn't yeah. be on, on internet domain. Honestly, I kind of wish all spirits would introduce themselves like that. I know. Like immediately give you some context as to what's going on. My name is David. But tell, it's got to give us your last name, David. Maybe David doesn't remember his last name. I don't know. Oh my gosh. But he looks like Willem Dafoe. (laughs) Okay, we have some clues. Possibly the Green Goblin. (laughs) Possibly just a man named David. (laughs) But, But yeah, interesting. Uh, I want to hear more. I'm going to email. I'm going to follow up with S and find out where this was. And maybe I'll do some Google searching myself. Yeah, I'm curious. I really, 
I want the, it, it feels like the spirit wants to be helped, you know? I know. But then S also said that she got like a weird vibe from him and it was kind of unsettling. So who knows? True. True. I'm just picturing, have you, have you watched Soul yet? No, I haven't. Oh, <laughs> okay. You need to, everybody needs to, so I can talk to you about it. <laughs> But I'm just, yeah, it's, I'm picturing this happening in Saul where he's confused and he's trying to reach out and do things to help himself move on. Like maybe he is trapped somewhere and he's just like, maybe if I admit how I died, I'll be able to move on Hmm. and just said it. She happened to be the ear that was passing by him (laughs) when he had this idea. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. Do you not know? Pretty wild. Very all right, what do you have to close us out? Oh, I forgot it was my turn. I was waiting for you to read another story. <laughs> okay, I have another uh, road-related story. So mm. not David passing on a road, but some a t- little time slip sent in Ooh. from Morgan. Hi, my name is Morgan, and I'm obsessed with your podcast. It makes my long commute to school something to look forward to, and I'm writing to you guys to tell you about when I lost time in Florida's I-4 dead zone. I sadly don't know a ton about this road, but I do know that it's a long stretch of highway near Orlando that was built over the graves of several people. Okay, I'm logging this for future. Yeah, what? Copy, paste. Gotta gotta look into that. Seriously. This road is known for its large amount of accidents, as well as reports of technology glitches and ghostly hitchhikers. When I was 16, I traveled this road with my mom, friend, and brother. We were driving towards the airport in Sanford to fly back to to fly back home to Maine after vacationing in Florida for a week. We gave ourselves plenty of time to reach the airport so that we wouldn't have to rush through TSA or anything. As we were driving, the GPS on the rental car started malfunctioning. All of our phones lost service as well, and we thought nothing of it and just continued on our way. The GPS had previously said that our exit was soon, so we just kept an eye out for road signs that would say, airport this way. After a few minutes, we noticed the traffic was almost gone, and we came upon a toll booth. We entered the toll and asked the kind worker, how much further until the Sanford airport? She looked at us really strangely and said the airport was 20 minutes back the way we came. I looked at the clock and sure enough, 20 minutes had passed in what felt like just a few. My mom was the only one who was really freaked out. The rest of us were just worried about making it onto our flight to get home. So we turned around and sure enough, 20 minutes later, we see a ton of signs pointing us to the airport. How had we missed these? We all rushed through returning the car and TSA and made it on our flight home. We all kind of forgot about what happened until my mom turned on the TV and saw a show documenting the I-4 dead zone. Someone on the show had an almost identical story to ours. She rushed me in and told me what she'd just seen, and I almost didn't believe it myself. We will never know what happened to us in those 20 minutes. Hopefully, we just drove. (laughs) Ooh, I never thought about that. Ooh, I'm so creeped out. Yeah. (sighs) Sorry, this is so long, but I just needed to add a little heartfelt message. Sadly, my mother passed a few months ago, and I started listening to your podcast shortly after. Mm. With every episode, you make me believe a little bit harder in the supernatural and the fact that my mom is still out there somewhere. I can't thank you enough for that. See you on the other side, Morgan. Ugh, Morgan, I'm so sorry to hear that. I am very sorry for your loss. That's so sad. Well, hopefully some of the other encounters that we read in this episode will also prove to you that everybody's Mm -hmm. looking out for you everyone's still with you and your mother's definitely still with you yeah except for no one knows what's happening in i4 because that's 
uh, yeah who knows oh my god i know i'm writing that down because we I have know. to look I'm, that up that's fascinating i, I want to hear of everyone else's experience on the i4 i had never even heard of that road but it's in orlando maybe we drove on it i know i was literally just saying or about to say like it's in orlando so <laughs> disney universal like all of the the parks that people go to you think of like this cheery good family time and meanwhile people are like seeing ghosts and having glitches and disappearing for 20 minutes losing time (laughs) right outside like 20 minutes like i feel like you can write off five minutes it could be like oh i just didn't look at the clock or just something weird i zoned out but 20 whole minutes and for everyone to 20 minutes is a long time lose time during that is super freaky right and to not see the signs yeah you would see the signs they were all looking out for the signs That's so weird. Yeah, it's bizarre. Aliens? I know. Maybe there's an alien pod there. It makes me truly wonder if there was like a weird glitch that they just didn't notice. Because I'm I'm picturing, you know, as the cars become less and less, like the traffic's less dense. What does it look like around you? Is there just a sudden blink and there's different cars around you and you just don't notice? I feel like just, yeah, it must happen so quickly that you just don't notice yeah or is there this collective wrinkle in time and everybody who's driving just then experienced the same thing and it's just this collective paranormal experience but you don't know because you don't know what people in other cars are okay well experiencing if any of our other listeners have driven on the i4 tell us tell us floridians because i mean it's on the way to the airport so i feel like multiple people have driven this route i'm a little upset that it didn't happen to us (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll always go back. We have made it a tradition in our partnership that we will go back every year. So, yes, we'll try it again next year. Now that we know about it, we'll look out for it. (laughs) We've got to. Yeah. Need to know. Need to know. Wow. Oh, I just love ghost stories. Now, see, I'm not I'm no longer a a little depressed bitch. I'm... (laughs) I'm I'm just I'm just a bitch. No, I'm kidding. What? (laughs) Just a bitch. Aren't we all just a little bit? Just a little bit. Thank you guys for sharing your stories with us. Please continue to do so. Yeah, this was Please great. email. And what a good mix of like heartwarming and spooky, scary, surprising. Love all of this. We decided we'll do the themed ones occasionally just because those are fun too. But we want to read as many stories as possible. So these these episodes are fun to diversify. You never know what you're going to get. It's a mix. You never bag. know. Yes, and we're not going to be any, on any one schedule or another for themes. So we're just going to throw it at you randomly. Throw it at you. So when we feel it, please email us. We do every it. story you can possibly think of. Send it to us at two girls, one goes podcast at gmail.com. And you can also support us in a variety of ways. The pyramid scheme. Please mm-hmm. join the pyramid scheme. That's our cult right there. I feel like our pyramid scheme needs a song. Like there, there's something like ominous needs to play under pyramid scheme. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> The only thing that's going through my head right now is from Family Guy. Spider pig, spider pig, <laughs> does whatever a spider pig does. Pyramid right. scheme, pyramid scheme. We'll we'll talk to Eric and Brooke and, and figure out something we can do for that. Because that yeah, we be need fun. a little jingle for the pyramid mm-hmm. scheme portion of this episode. <laughs> do, 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 do. Do, do. Lasers. Anyway. <laughs> just, just just laser sounds, and then you know what to do. It's, it's the cue. Yes, you can tell people about the podcast. That's hugely helpful. And then also rating and reviewing on iTunes is like tremendously helpful. So if you can do that, we so, so appreciate it. Yes, and you can follow us on social media. We have Instagram, Facebook. Our Facebook groups are mousing. Twitter, which we 
don't really use very often, but I like all your things. I see them. Real quick, just want to say thank you to Eric and Brooke Foster at Upfire Digital and your whole entire team. Thank you for editing our podcast and um, cutting out our sniffles or our missaying of words. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you guys are great. And we will see you on the other side. Very smooth.